For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. Um, today, we're doing another interview, and I have Adam here with me as a guest. And uh, without any further ado, Adam, the floor is yours. Welcome to the show. And uh, could you please just give us a quick introduction in uh, who you are, what you do? Awesome. Well, Miha, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Adam Urbanski, also uh, called by thousands of entrepreneurs worldwide, a millionaire marketing mentor. And a uh, quick intro about Miha, father, husband, uh, goofball, uh, wannabe stand-up comedian, moonlighting and a mar as a marketing mentor. In what I do, I work with uh, primarily service-based businesses, so a lot of business-to-business -business coaches, consultants, freelancers, uh, expertpreneurs, and we help them package their genius into offers that actually work. So we work with companies that have been in business for a long time, but typically are uh, pre-six figures annual, and we take them to multiple six figures very quickly and then scale them to seven figures and multiple seven figures. And, uh, you know, one of my personal things, I mean, probably talk about it throughout the whole conversation. I am, uh, I've got a very, I've got a couple of, of, of uh, addictions of illnesses. And, and fortunately, they're not contagious and they're not deadly, uh, but they can be a bit frustrating. So one is I, I like to teach a lot and I talk fast. So hopefully that won't be a problem today. <laughs> and the second one, you know, I'm addicted to results. Um when I started this particular business, for a very brief period of time, I considered working with, with large corporations. And, you know, you've built a business. So you've seen the stages of, of bureaucracy and complexity creeping up on a business. And I've realized that, you know, large companies are often uh, crippled by the very complex decision-making process by... Uh, you know, the, the process of let me cover my ass rather than let me just make a decision and move forward. And I love working with entrepreneurs. I love quick decisions. I love deployment, implementation, execution. And let's 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 look at the results. And if they are what they are, awesome. Can we dial it up? And if they not, if they're not what we expected, you know, can we tweak things around and and make some pivots, make some shifts, and let's actually create what we set up to create. So uh, hopefully we'll help, you know, show our audience some tips how to do it more effectively in their situations. Perfect. Um, I mean, yeah, like <clears throat> uh, if I just look at my last startup, I took that one from zero to multiple nine figures in two years. And uh, I mean, yeah, like once you are past those, I guess, seven figures, when you start entering the eight figures uh, space, um, you just need uh, so much of that foundation. You need so much of that structure. You have so many employees and, you know, you need to have certain levels of middle management. But with all of that comes a lot of bureaucracy as well. And I guess I'm more like the early stage kind of person, uh, the true lean and mean MVP style uh, founder or entrepreneur. And yeah, things, at least for me, get pretty boring. So I can understand how you <laughs> love working with the six, seven figures because that's so much more vibrant and so many things happening and there's place, much more space for innovation and, and, yeah. and all of that. So, yeah. uh, well, we were introduced by Janice Petit, who was my guest uh, a, a few shows earlier. I think it was in the summer. And, uh, well, she kind of does something similar. Uh, uh, just you are more, uh, if I understand correctly, doing that through the marketing 
and she does more with the whole PR structure, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, but also helping uh, experts, helping entrepreneurs to step into their zone of genius and to start leveraging, leveraging their expertise with then later on creating coaching programs, uh, uh, courses and, and, and things like that and sharing the expertise uh, with other people and then growing their business. Uh, but um, why your system? Let's start there. Like, let's say I'm a coach. Um, I'm. You said you start. You you like if they're in the early uh, early six figures. Um, so let's assume I'm at the early six figures. Why would I choose your system? What's unique about you? You know, it's probably the question I hate the most. And I could give you a long-winded answer here why I hate this, right? Because there's really nothing new under the sun. At the end of the day, when you find something that's actually effective, chances are underneath it are very similar things. Like if you look at cars, like what makes cars essentially function, you know, most of them is the same technology, right? It's just very, very few nuances. So in my case, you know, what makes us different uh, number one is, again, I mentioned this earlier, my almost addictive attention to results. Uh, essentially, when we uh, when we take clients on, failure is not an option. You will achieve the results we want, you know, you want to achieve. That's number one. Number two, an, ex- an extremely proven track record. I've been at it in this particular kind of uh, endeavor for almost nine, almost 20 years. Next year will be 20 years. So this is 19 and uh, right now, the process we are helping our clients put in place has pretty much an unheard of success rate when it comes to coaching industry. We have a 100% completion rate and over 90% success rate, meaning the goal we set with our clients at the beginning of our engagement, which typically is to 4x their revenue in 12 weeks, uh, over 90% of the time we reach that goal. Uh, and and it, this is in a group format. So... Uh, I'm getting probably too many of too much of a detail, but to my knowledge, there is no another program that has this same track record. You know, people can do it once, but they can't repeat it, and we do it week in and week out. So that would be number two, and number three. You know, gosh darn it, if you don't like my Polish funky spunky personality, then we probably won't get along. So there we go. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, I mean, one thing, yes, I'm Matlievsky or Orbanski. We are not from the same country, but it's not that far away. Yeah, uh, and I've been I've been to Poland a few times, and um, I have to say, I really enjoyed the food and 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 uh, um, the beer. So uh, I'm a big beer lover. So that that was almost like heaven to me. Well, you know, I've got to tell you, like, my little personal secret. I quit drinking for no particular reason, just decided to see for a month. And this was three and a half months ago. And now I am, you know, it's like I'm a typical entrepreneur. I'm going, like, how far can I take it? Can I can I not drink for another day, for another month? And it's I'm tempted every day because, you know, people, people party. I like to hang out with folks. So I haven't drank in about three and a half months. And then uh, about a month and a half ago, I, I gave up coffee. Again, for no particular reason other than just torture myself and kind of develop stronger will. So um, <laughs> when you talk about the conversation of a beer and coffee, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have water with lemon. <laughs> okay, okay. Whatever, uh, whatever you know, suits you the best, uh, that's, that's uh, how we'll uh, – what – I mean, you know, I'm not forcing anybody that they have to drink with me. I'm not one of those. Uh, I know some people – here in Eastern Europe, they will be very persuasive, you know, like, oh, no, you need to oh, have a glass. Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not like that. But, okay, let's let's go back to, to business. So, okay, we, like, let's leave your program for the end. Uh, now let's focus on the value. So um, you say you have a 12-week program. Um, what are some of the big steps that, and it's a group coaching. Did I understand correctly? Correct. So yeah, it's, it's correct. not done for you. It's group coaching, coaching people to through the marketing of their uh, high ticket programs, attracting new clients for their coaching consulting business. Correct. Um, yeah. What are some of the bigger steps, the biggest pillars of of that program? 
Yeah. So, you know, let me just give you kind of a bigger picture and then drill deeper into uh, some specifics. So when I look at business, and again, you you probably, I mean, when you say, you know, in two years, you build a multiple nine-figure business, I'm like, Mia, can we stop this? Can we reverse the roles? I want to ask you some questions, right? Because you have know-how and, and skill sets are they're absolutely amazing. But for me, when I look at the business, uh, especially at the at the process of developing the revenue, you know, I'm looking at five core components. So the first one is crowd, some sort of marketplace that actually uh, has a, you know, a, a pretty strong demand for some sort of solution. They have a problem. The second part is I need to have a capture mechanism. I mean, that crowd may exist, but if I can't get attention of that crowd and I can't convert them or capture them to be leads, to be paying attention to me, then I really, you know, I'm failing. Then the, the third part is capture. Uh, um, I'm sorry, conversion. So meaning now I have a lead, but if I can't convert that lead into a client, into a paid client, then again, I have no business. And, you know, we see it all the time where startups go like, well, we've got 100,000 members. Well, any of them paid? Well, no, then you have zero yet, right? Unless you find a monetizer. Then again, I'm simplifying things a lot. Number four is cash value, which is, uh, and then, you know, we can dissect the deeper, both immediate cash value and long-term lifetime value, ca- cash value of your clients or transaction. And the, the fifth component to me is continuity, meaning, you know, once you capture a client, is this a one-time transaction or what do you be doing business with this client repeatedly and for how long can you retain them? Now, if you look at those five things and you massage all of them, you can start creating pretty geometrical growth in business. So for me, in our uh, in our program specifically, you know, I'm looking at what are the buttons out of the five buttons, which ones can I help my clients push to create rapid, accelerated growth in the shortest amount of time? And you know, the big thing is we eliminate all the complexity and all the unnecessary work that most people, when they're in the small stages and their resources are scarce, both time and finances and skill sets, right? How do we create, how we, how, which buttons do we push that are most likely within their existing skill sets? So there's not a big learning long curve. They don't have to go and acquire expensive technology and then figure out the complexity of it and learn how to use it. So in my case, most of the time, we focus on three things, which is capture, right? How do you capture the right leads? And uh, we can, again, go deeper into, uh, you know, what it looks like. Then the second part is conversion. So once you have the leads, how do you effectively convert them to clients? Again, in the shortest, uh, fastest possible way. And a third thing is cash value and specifically immediate cash value. And, you know, and when you're in a startup mode, cash is king. If you don't have money to buy resources, skill set, help, technology, whatever is needed to take you to the next stage, you pretty much stuck in perpetual struggle. So, you know, when we start looking at how do you capture the right leads, how do you convert those leads quickly to clients, and how can we manipulate the cash value of initial transactions to be in your favor, meaning, you know, uh, higher value, higher profitability, higher profit margins, so that, uh, you know, you get the maximum amount of bang for the least amount of effort possible, you know, that creates a rapid accelerated growth for us. Okay, let's let's go back to the to the first step. Um, so a lot of my audience are coaches, consultants. Mm-hmm. They f- have that expertise and they want to grow their business. And they might be at, you know, five figures a month, yep. something like that, which is not bad. Um, and so the first step is capture the audience. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. So what do you mean by capture? Is it like uh, figure out what's your niche or do they already know what the target market is and now just where to find them? Uh, what, what do you mean when you say capture the audience? Great question. So for most people, uh, it, a prerequisite to work with us is they need to know their audience. But knowing your audience and actually really having it dialed in, like who your specific ideal, most ideal clients you want to work with are, most people cannot describe it, 
right? So uh, here's another thing that, especially when when it comes to coaches or expertpreneurs, when you ask them like who your ideal clients are, you know, they would list things like they read certain um, things or they will name a certain profession um, or they, they may even go into kind of psychographics like, well, they're coachable, they're hungry or they're spiritual or whatever. I'm like, you know, it's great. I still don't know what that means. If I looked at someone's business or someone's presence on social media from the outside, could I tell all those things quickly? And then many of them also forget to list in an ideal, perfect dream client, one kind of kind of very important characteristic, like actually has the ability to pay for my services, you know, with relative ease, has the money to invest. So when we look at this, um, we need to identify characteristics that pretty much at a glance at someone's uh, visible social media or just world presence, you know, whether it's a company or an individual, we can quickly determine whether or not they have the characteristics uh, that resemble our ideal clients. And I'm going to look back to this in a moment. But I'm going to actually lift us a, a little bit up again and look at any market. In any market, you can divide your audience into multiple layers. And typically, you know, the top layer, somewhere around 1% to 3%, let's just say 3%, are people that are immediately ready to buy from you. That's kind of your low-hanging fruit. Then you've got about, you know, 30 to 40%. Uh, of people that are lookers. They are aware they have a problem, they're looking for a solution, but they haven't made a decision. They, they haven't quite entered the buying mode yet, but still they can be easily persuaded to buy. So that's about 40% of the market. And then you've got the 60% of the audience of the market that, um, well, you know, they're, they're really not in the buying mode. It's, it's going to take a little while to convert to convert them. They need a lot of massaging, educating, you know, courting to become clients. So first things first, we start looking at what are, they, what are the characteristics of the 3%, the top people that are ready to buy. And second thing, you know, what are the characteristics of this 40% that will be ready to buy shortly? And it's a perpetual process of um, incubating, if you will, an, a market to consistently provide you with a, with a decent pool of low-hanging fruit, those 3% buyers. When you put an offer in front of those buyers, they're most likely will make a decision to buy uh, very, very quickly. So that being said, you know, we start looking at those characteristics. And in my case, for example, we look at someone who uh, provides B2B services. Now that's easily determined when you look at someone's business. Is it B2B? Is it B2C? Who do you actually serve? Uh, we look at uh, services or uh, solutions that they sell that actually provide problems that we, you know, that, that we believe are in demand. So if someone's offer services like, you know, spiritual counseling to dogs, and, you know, you, you and I can laugh, but there are people offering those services, right? And look, there yeah. is no judgment. There is a market for the service, probably. That's not something I can fully get behind. It's not my personality, not my style. I wouldn't know much about, you know, how to even, I mean, I could, but it's what not what I I can't see this being sold for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Although now that I say that, I bet I will go and do a homework, and there's someone selling this stuff for thousands of dollars, right? Um, Adam, I mean, it's not it's not this particular case, but I was I think the word is bamboozled. Uh, a few years ago, I met a guy at a conference. He used to work uh, for. Um, he used to work for Microsoft, like a techie guy. And he was like the COO of the operation. And then there was the wife and she was doing the angel cards, reading something. And I mean, I, I'm not somebody who would buy something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm too grounded for something like that. I'm not judging. I know people... Um, are open to that but that company and he showed me some data that company was doing three and a half or to four million u.s dollars in revenue per <laughs> I year. i know well there's this famous dog whisperer caesar milan right and i think that he's he's definitely cashing into the tunes of multi multi uh probably multi multi eight figures every single year so again the minute i mentioned an example probably wasn't the best thought out but the idea is I'm looking for B2B solutions that actually are craved by a marketplace 
And then I'm looking at things like, are they actually have a decent presence in the marketplace, right? Are they marketing themselves already? Um, are they doing things like uh, educational marketing, meaning do they provide, are they a thought leadership person? Do they have a podcast? Do they um, do they share some sort of uh, thoughtful, meaningful content on social media, whether it's text, graphics, or video? Uh, you know, those things allow me to quickly determine this is someone that if we if we connect with them, chances are we can um, dial in their their approach dramatically and accelerate the revenue. Right. So that's that's kind of how we go about it. And in our case, here's another thing that's very interesting. You know, my first claim to fame in the coaching business, I created a program called Attract Clients Like Crazy. And the funny thing is, Miha, it came out of exactly this question that you asked me, like, what makes you different? Like, why you? I was 29 years old. I just exited, you know, a seven-figure business. And uh, I hated this question because I was more qualified to help someone build a business than many people that were business consultants that spent the years in corporate uh, business, but they never grew a small business. They had no idea how to actually sell themselves, how to actually make money. Right? They were good in corporate environment with lots of teams, but solo, they didn't. So I said, you know what? I'm going to create a process where people will come to me and beg me to take them on as a client and throw cash at me, and then maybe I'll take them on. And for the first 10 years in the coaching business, that's what I did. So with this current approach, but you know what the problem with that is it takes a little longer. It takes a lot of uh, educational marketing. It takes a lot of technology and structuring, a lot of know-how, marketing know-how. Most people that come to work with us don't have that. They don't have the time. They don't have the know-how. So in, in so what we do now, we call it the process of spotlighting. We create lists of ideal potential clients and do direct outreach to them. And I've got to tell you, it was kind of hard for me to convert from this laid back, have people come to me to actually go after people, use more outbound marketing. But I've discovered that Pretty much nearly every high-tech startup that became a unicorn that went from zero to billions, they focused on outbound marketing first. And it's the, the, the fastest, most effective way to acquire ideal clients uh, at, at fairly low cost and with rapid speed. I absolutely agree with you on this one. I mean, um, I've taken another approach in my business uh, with the brand building first. But I mean... You know, I, I had the privilege of having the freedom of time and money before exactly. I went into the coaching yep. business. And so I, I but I knew uh, when I started this, I, I, I remember how I said to myself, um, I'm I'm willing to dedicate next at least three years of, of me towards my fail coach business um, without expecting even a single dollar in revenue and then after three years i'll make an evaluation whether i really want to continue down this path or not but that was my commitment was to to dedicate three years without expecting any returns it only took me about a year or something but it's definitely the uh, the harder approach it's just that i believe that it's much stronger on the long run and it's creating value that has yet to be seen in correct the that's a very important point right and i am because um, i've been always such a direct response guy i've always uh, shied away from brand but kind of accidentally developed my own brand in the process which is inevitable when you grow your business right the brand will always be there which essentially the brand is a, a promise that can be trusted so what you just shared is is absolutely amazing because building a, a brand in the marketplace it's a it, you know it's a little bit of a longer approach like you mentioned it takes time takes effort and there's not immediate cash return on it but it is something that you can definitely cash in on when it's done the right way so uh, in my case, you know, we focus on direct on revenue, rapid revenue, but in the same process, we build frameworks and systems for our clients that actually contribute to building a very strong, um, very strong brand in the marketplace. No, I get it. I get it. So first, you know, like, let's see what are the low hanging fruits. Let's get you some oxygen money. Um, some extra cash flow that you can reinvest back into the business 
and then don't go and spend that money on on stupid stuff reinvest it in a smart way and let's create processes and automatizations and stuff like that that will kind of funnel people into your ecosystem nurture them through the ecosystem and then you will always have the low-hanging fruits waiting uh, i don't know every month every quarter however you launch or sell your programs am, am, like am i getting yeah, absolutely it right? right and again i think you know we may actually veer off a little bit here and mention this because i think it's such an interesting conversation between the two of us because we've had businesses that we've sold and people always ask, you know, what's the difference? How is it that, you, that some people get stuck at certain level and some people grow businesses to multi-millions and beyond? And I think the difference is making a decision to actually build the business rather than being in a lifestyle business. So what you just described, a lot of people, especially service professionals, consultants, coaches, get stuck in this lifestyle business approach, which is they make some good money. And let's be honest, when you have a, a pretty tight ship, few employees, maybe no employees, some, some outside assistance, and you can sell high value consulting and coaching offers, there is a lot of profits built into this. And there's this very strong temptation. Let's just blow it up. Let's go and you know buy fancy cars and toys and travels. And the problem is that it distracts you from reinvesting those profits into actually building a business, right? And I always tell my clients, there's a, there's a huge difference between making money and building a business. Now, I, I, ideally they I aligned, mean, but they're, they're not one and the same. No, no, no. I mean, the thing is just uh, the, the way you just described it, and, and most people do it that way, but they are in reality solopreneur. And if anything, God forbid, happens to them or, you know, they need to, they, they, they are sick for three months or something, the cash flow just it stops, isn't yeah. there. Um, yeah, so they are not really a business owner. But then again, not everybody is ready you know like this was a discussion i had just a few days ago with one of my uh higher end one of one one on one clients and it was you know um entrepreneurs most of the time are more the creative types less the logical types with the logical types it's easy they go and they lay down the foundation they really you know do that but more of them are the creative types and they started their business because they love doing something they they enjoy doing but then as the business grows they need to step into roles that they really don't like you know being a coo being the cfo being the cmo and so on but I don't know why most entrepreneurs, they have this idea, well, I'm the founder. It's only natural that I'm the CEO. And then what happens is that they don't like the CEO stuff or the COO stuff because that's boring. That's not creative. Um, and uh, that sucks the life out of them. So they suck then at the creative part, which they love doing, but now they are completely burnt out from all the rest and that's where you usually have that plateau and it can happen sometimes at six at seven at eight figures i mean it depends on the industry the product how, how much high ticket thing is how many employees they need but often this is what happens and um i think it's equally important to recognize when you are the entrepreneur um i like i give the example with three entrepreneurs Bezos. Musk and Jobs. Um, Bezos was a startup, but then he matured from one step into another. And nowadays, he's like this classical CEO type of guy. Yeah. Am I right? I probably, yeah. He really stepped into the role of being the CEO of that huge corporation. Now, you have Steve Jobs, who was the creative, but if you are careful about when you see his past keynotes and so on he was always representing um so he would go on the stage do his five ten minute storytelling uh impress everybody but then here is phil schiller here is tim cook you, you know so he showed on the stage that balance between him the startup founder creative entrepreneur and then the balance with you know the hard corporate structure behind it. And then you have Elon Musk, the entrepreneur, the ego. I think one day he will tank Tesla with the way he's doing things. I think 
the best way, the best thing for him would be to just find a good C-level leadership, give them Tesla, and then go and create 20 new startups because he's an amazing at that early stage, but he's so confused now that he's the CEO of yep. this big I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, it's just, it sounds like you have figured it out and learned it quicker than me. I had a hard time learning this um, and just kind of really identifying my skill sets and also mature. You know, look, it's like when I was 29, I didn't mind reinventing the wheel every day of the week, right? It's like I've lots of creative energy and just, I could I could sustain the process of taking idea to market. As I got older, I'm like, you know, I just this is a lot of work. I don't want to work that hard. You know, can I can I have a company that actually produces something? And here's kind of the the analogy that I created for myself. It's when you you know this whole creative process that entrepreneurs often love is like digging a well, and you've got to find the right spot. You've got to have the right equipment, and it's it's a lot of digging before you strike water, right? Especially if it's like deep well, and then you've got to install a cranking mechanism and a secret to feeding water to your village. It's just cranking the crank. But cranking the crank is boring as hell. Like most entrepreneurs, we get bored out of our minds. And that's what I used to do. I used to build a well. And the minute they got to cranking the crank, I'm like, I'm bored. Let's just blow up this well. Let's go build another one, right? What a stupid thing. So that's the transition that many of us entrepreneurs, especially service providers, we can't figure it out. So it sort of takes me to like the second aspect of what we do with our clients in order to accelerate the sales. We need to create it. Go ahead. Adam, I'm, I'm sorry, but before you go to that second aspect, and I'm eager to hear what you have to say, I, I just want to go a little bit back. Um, you know, you were talking about the direct outreach, really understanding who's your ideal client, um, um, finding them, outreaching. Um, and yes, I absolutely agree. And the outreach is the fastest way. And, and so on. So I agree with you completely. But what I see with most entrepreneurs, and maybe you have like a good tip here, is that they feel that this will be too overwhelming uh, in numbers, in sheer numbers, you know, like when, when, because the way you explained it, how somebody might understood is, oh, shit, now I have to go to LinkedIn. And first I do the search and then I click each profile. And then I have to dive deep and I have to go through their newsfeed. And then I have to click and see if they have the website and this and that. And, you know, oh, my God, like uh, if I do this Sherlock Holmes type of thingy on each potential lead that uh, uh, Sales Navigator shows me, um, I can do like three researches a day and, and then, you know, to how many will actually pop out as the right ones and then I outreach and then again the number game so for most people um, when 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 I talk about something similar uh, and I want to hear your opinion or maybe a, you know a, a tactic or something that um, you can share with our audience how to not overwhelm yourself when you're thinking about doing this cherry picking outreach. you know uh, I'm I'm really deciding in my head, like, how do I want to address this? Because when someone brings it up, usually I would say, like, great, go get a job. It's less overwhelming. It's also less profitable. You know, and and just you know, to be less kind of a, a class hole here, uh, it is a, it. It's not a. It's not a most. Uh, what's the word I would look for? You know, it's not an it's 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 simple, but it's not an easy process. But the, it also does not have to be overwhelming. So in our case, you know, we've built processes and and uh, frameworks to put clients through to make it less overwhelming. To build uh, tracking mechanisms where they can actually um, wrap their minds and kind of their entire approach to this. But I think stepping up again, a little bit bigger picture. When someone says, "I can't do this." Uh, I would often look at the business and go like, why can't you? What are you, if you if you currently don't have enough clients to work with, especially as a service professional, right? Where is your eight hours a day going into? And most of us, you know, out of eight hours that they put in, six of those hours are completely wasted, completely wasted on trivia that they shouldn't be doing. Like your job is business development. 
And by the way, once you figure business development, you can actually bring someone else to do business development for you. Again, me, you know, you have experience building larger companies. And I look at larger companies. Here's what happens. They actually have people that are, that are hired to do business development. They're hired to do this work, to scour the Internet and, and bring in leads, bring leads to appointments. And then either, you know, you've got executives who take those appointments and convert those appointments into cash for the company. When you are a solopreneur at the beginning, when you're at this 100,000, you know, low six figures, you may not have the team to, who does it. So your job is to go and do it yourselves. Now, let me tell you, I have clients who uh, come to me and they will go to like half a million dollars in, in a consulting revenue, which by the way, half a million dollars with probably 80% profit. You are in the top 1% income earners in the world, and it's kind of a lifestyle business where you really are living well. And they kind of go like, well, you know, I outlive this, this spotlighting, this direct approach. I should be doing something else. And they start diverting into other strategies, and they very quickly realize nothing is as effective at invest, as investing a couple hours a day religiously. If you think about it, invest two hours a day, five days a week, that's 10 hours business development. I promise you, you not only have the time to do this, I promise you right now your business is is losing you a half a million dollars a year, meaning you're not making it because you're refusing to engage in this activity. Now it's your choice. You don't have to do it. You can also, it's your choice to stay broke as an entrepreneur. And, you know, in the case of our clients, we see them reigniting this passion for reconnecting with people, getting back to it. You know, right now I have a client that's uh, bringing over a million dollars a year in a consulting revenue. And uh, 100% of it is organic spotlighting, direct outreach. And the only difference now, she actually, we kind of engineered a very interesting process where she has a team member that's actually doing the selling, but she is doing the lead generation, kind of a reverse process. Because she's very visible right now, she's put out enough thought leadership content where people are kind of approaching her, and she's simply having initial conversation like, hey, would you be interested in exploring this? When they say yes, she goes, let me just connect you with my team member, and they will fill you in on the details and take you through the process if it's a fit, right? Over, actually, at this point, probably on, on, on target to do about 1.2, 1.5, and uh, all of it, organic marketing. So again, I hear you, I hear the same objections that you just brought up. Miha, and, and I think that the biggest um, suggestion here is get your head, head screwed on straight. If, you don't, if you're not willing to become good at business development, which, by the way, this isn't even marketing. This is really like building relationships. This is a relationship and respect-based marketing approach. Uh, you can accelerate your business so fast, your competitors' heads will spin. And if you refuse to do this, you likely will get stuck in a struggle zone for years to come. Absolutely on-spot solid advice. I mean, I can't but just fully agree with you. I mean, if you're not ready to do that, I mean... Um, and you can, you can hear yeah. that I can get pretty animated and passionate about this. And, you know, it's the same thing like when entrepreneurs come to me and say, I don't have the money. I'm like, well, go make some. Or don't call yourself an entrepreneur. Go get a job. Like the whole purpose of being an entrepreneur, you take nothing, turn it into something, right? But you do it through your genius and through effort. So, uh, and then again, service, service businesses, we got so bamboozled by the remote approach internet. That's like, I just push button and magic happens. Well, you know, people forgot the service part in the service business. What happened? You know, imagine this, you want your clients to come to you and have this relationship and pay you tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the way you want to find your clients is like, you want to push them through the automated funnel where they have a conversation with a bot. I'm like, Really? And don't get me wrong, there are ways to do this very elegantly, very effectively, but you can't develop those ways if you don't actually do it manually. You know, you can't automate before you validate. And this process of doing it manually to start with, yeah, it's, it takes effort. Everything takes effort, right? You can't get out of, you can't get out of bed in the morning without, without some effort. So, but if you refuse to put that effort in, again, I think you're really robbing yourself of an opportunity to understand your market like few people do. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I Like, if you believe it or not, but when I started my online journey, because this is my first online journey, all my other businesses were um, 
you know, more in the real sectors, not 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 the info mm -hmm. info products and, and things like that. I think in the first year, I probably jumped on just free value calls just to understand entrepreneurs um, with over yeah. 1,000 people. Not, not to sell them or anything, but really just to understand. Because, you know, I'm from Eastern Europe. My target was more the U.S. and the Canada. And, you know, you have to understand because the struggles are not quite the same. Um, the resources, the mindsets, the beliefs, they are different. And I, I, I wanted to really understand. But, but that gave me so much leverage in then creating yeah. everything else. You know, we can go through example after example. Um, let's just think about Zappos, right? Tony Shea did not go out and build a multi-million dollar website and, and, and database structure. He went out there, took photos of shoes in, in local shoe shops, posted them online. If they sold, he went back to the shoe shop, bought them, and shipped them himself. He figured out if it actually works. You look at the company like Blue Apron, the prepared meal, meals, right? They went out there to grocery stores, talked to people in the grocery store, went out their shop, delivered to people's homes, watched them cook in people's homes to see if it actually works, right? You look at uh, Airbnb. Those two guys went out to the first client's homes, helped them take the pictures, helped them see what is actually working. What are you looking for? What are you booking? How? What are you renting? It's like, you, you know, so many entrepreneurs are refusing to do this ground level work that again, I think keeps them stalled for months and for many of them, many of them for years, or they completely implode because they can't speak the market language. Yeah. Um, Adam, I, I want to be mindful about your time and uh, I know you have other obligations later. I, I, I mean, this is like, at least for me, this is like, uh, um, already you are giving so, so, so much value. But I, you mentioned the step two in the process and, you know, I, I don't want the audience to miss that as well. So maybe if we move yeah, on let's to do that. that you know, step. really quick, <laughs> such a maverick. You ask for step one, I want to go to step two. You ask for step two, I'm like, let's go back to step one. Really quick, just to give people some frameworks in terms of numbers. You know, we teach our clients kind of this very simple mechanism and um, it's 25-5-1. If you make 25 connections a day, and 25 connections a day should take you about an hour, and uh, maybe even less. And again, eventually when you figure it out, you can have someone else do that for you. I would not recommend completely automating using technology because it, it, it comes across as, as crappy and your rates will be totally off. But you know, 25 new connections a day. And again, it, it can take you about two minutes per connection to figure out if this is someone you want to connect with or not. That will, out of those, what you want to do is through five of those connections on, every, on any given day, you want to reach out and actually make proposals to explore things. Like connection is different. You just connect with someone. Proposal, meaning you ask them, hey, we do this kind of thing. Would you be interested in exploring it farther? When you do this, chances are you're going to land one appointment a day, one appointment a day, right? If you do this, Chances are it's going to give you one sale a week, right? Out of one out of five, you should be able to convert. If you don't do this, there's something dramatically wrong with your offer. So, and again, depending on what you sell, let's just sell, let's just say that you sell, you know, a $10,000 offer. That's $40,000 a week, a, a month. That's a half a million dollars a year business if you do this. Very simple thing. 25, five, one. 25 connections, five proposals, one call. That equals one sale a week. Okay, I, I need to go deeper into this. Are those 25 connections? Most of the time, yes, but they can be warmed up a little bit. Again, okay. if you start creating thought leadership content, a lot of those people will be already pre-exposed to you. Okay, okay, so that's the, that's the strategy behind it. I mean, because, you know, um, I, I get a lot of, you get requests on LinkedIn, you accept it, and then bam, uh, a pitch. few minutes yep. later, yep. Uh, this whole sales sales pitch, and I'm like, dude, like, uh, what about some dating first before yeah. we jump into? And you know, the there there is the right way and the wrong way to do this, and this is this is one. This could be you know a, a whole day training because that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Seeing people, I get approached all the time, and I look at people's approaches, and go like, seriously, really? 
Like, this is how you expect me to do business with you. It's like, think a little, you know, it's like, remember that people on social media are kind of like at the party. You meet someone at the party and it's not impossible to do business with them, but you've got to take them off the party mindset first somehow. And you've got to be, in order to do this, you can't be a salesperson. You've got to be a human being, right? This is why I call it relationship and respect-based marketing. When you reach out to someone and say, hey, let's connect and they accept your request. And the next thing you go like, hey, I think you should buy this from me. You're not being a friend. You're being a dick. And sorry for causing you on your show, but it's like that's how most people do it. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, feel free to use any <laughs> Don't encourage me, Miga. This may turn out badly. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that we will never reach the level of Gary Vaynerchuk with, with his swearing. So <laughs> feel free to swear when you, you know, want. So anyway, that's kind of my... So I, I definitely agree with, you, agree with you. There's lots of bad examples how not to do it. Very few people do it the right way. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit of massaging it to figure out your, your approach. You know, I can be very... And then, by the way, there are also stages depending on how... You know, people, there are various levels of, I would actually, you know, we have time to go deeper into this. I'll probably determine like in the level of aggressiveness from zero to four uh, or from one to four, one is kind of very casual approach, very laid back and four being very straightforward where essentially it's like, hey, I've got this stuff. You need to buy it from me. And most people go directly to level four where they haven't earned the right yet to do that. Right now, I often use level four, but before I go to level four, you know, just like straightforward approach. Here's what I've got. Do you want to buy it? Yes or no? I have invested the time to warm up that relationship to the point where they now trust me. And when there when there is this trust, I simply reach out and say, "Look, there's something that might be of huge value to you. Here's the proposition. If you want to take it, great. If not, not a big deal. It's a very direct approach. But no one ever hates me for it." It's because I've earned the right to put that proposal in front of them in that kind of fashion, right? So again, this is lots of nuances to it. Um, very simple, not very easy. Okay. Adam, do we have time on your end um, to... Yeah, let's do that. Let's. I think it's important. Bit, let's do or... that. So, you know, the second okay. step is conversion. How do you take the prospect... Uh, and turn them into a client. And um, actually, so yeah, let's. So there are two parts to this. One is your actual offer, and this could be complex too because it's just it's the offer, and then it's the business model. So oftentimes, you know, when people come to us, they're still delivering their services in one-on-one uh, approach, and nothing wrong with this, right? Um, there is there is value in one-on-one consulting, but it's limiting. It's very, and, and by the way, this is, again, we can use the word like scale. And I often talk about this. Well, you know, if you take on um, one, um, let's just say $25,000 client a month and, uh, and, and you have it figured out that so they, they don't overtake your, your entire life, you know, you have a $300,000 a year business, again, with probably 90% of its profits. That's a good business to have, right? Do you really want to scale it beyond that? If it's if it serves you, it funds your lifestyle, you put some money away for the rainy day in the future, you're golden. But many people want to build something bigger. They want to reach you know, more people. So we need to create an offer that allows you to work with your market in more of a leveraged approach, some sort of one too many. And it's it's on, on our part, it's always figuring out what that offer looks like, what's the framework to the offer, because the difficult part of scaling services is the it, selling one to many. That's easy, but creating results one to many that's difficult. This is why our our industry is such a bad rap. Most programs have ninety percent failure rate, right? Because they essentially put a bunch of crap in there, and ex- people pay for it, and they don't get what they expected. Then they don't get the results. So it's creating frameworks and processes that actually deliver on your promise, on the value that you've sold. That's very important. And then looking at overall business model, meaning, you know, can the can the whole infrastructure you built to make this happen, can it actually grow to the level that you want it to grow to? What are some constraints that have to be addressed and eliminated? But all of that, this is internal work. So internally, it's building the model and the offers and the, and the processes 
that uh, deliver on a, on a value proposition. Externally, that's the offer. That's the marketing language. It's converting what you do into what people buy. And here's what you have to realize. In order to level up your prices, you have to stop selling what you do and you have to stop start selling what people get after you do it with them or for them. People don't buy what you do. They buy the outcomes. They buy the results. You know, case in point, like in our 12-week program, Miha, it, it's, you know, we actually had to build in mechanisms to tell people what they bought after they bought it. We literally have no conversations. They don't ask how many coaching calls, what times. You know, we only realize this when people, you know, sign up for the program and then they go like, we go like, hey, it's starting on Thursday. And they go like, I can't do Thursdays. I'm like, duh, we forgot to tell them what day and what hour the program starts. Because no one buys those details. You know what they bought? They bought the promise of we're going to take your revenue where it is right now. And we're going to help you make this much in 12 weeks, guaranteed. That's what they buy. And our job is to actually determine whether or not they're the right person that we can help to accomplish this. If we can't, we don't take them on as a client. If we can, you know, we make the transaction happen and very there's no details. So this is a really big thing. The second part, this conversion process, is thinking about your internal processes, your business model, and external messaging, the value proposition. What's the, you know, how can you most succinctly Tell your prospect, here's what I'm going to do for you. Take it or leave it. Can you articulate it that clearly? 99% of people that come to us, they can articulate it. Or the value proposition is so weak that they attract very low, a very low level of clients. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I just, you know, stayed quiet so that, you know, if I don't interfere and then we go into this whole long uh chit chat because like i said I, I i'm trying i know that you have other obligations so but i really want you to yeah. give out the rest of the value because i, I do believe it's very valuable and the way you present it so and, let me actually you know, dive into maybe approach. one more quick kind of a um, three-step tip here because then the last yeah. part here is you need to you need to have conversations you need to have a process that turns prospects into clients, right? So this is the actual sales process. And again, in our case, our clients are, 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 are kind of mavericks because in my case, we have over 90% conversion rate. So out of 11 potential clients, 10 will become clients during the first conversation. That's unheard of. Our clients, you typically get to about uh, 60 to 80% conversion rates. Now, how do we do this, Right. Very simple. I'm going to give you three things uh, that, that you can implement immediately. Number one, pre-qualify better, right? So really ask your potential clients the kind of questions that, that lets you know, hey, this is someone we should have conversation versus, you know, if you see any type of ideas that, that, that do not fit uh, what you do, just don't be afraid to tell them, like, look, you're amazing, but this would not be a fit for us. So pre-qualify them, uh, including letting them know what the investment might be. It's always amazing. People go like, you know, people tell me money objections. I'm like, what money objections? You mean you didn't tell them how much it will be before they came to the call? Of course they object. Like you can't start having a conversation with someone and, you know, 45 minutes later tell them it's $50,000 and they go like, oh my God, I've got to talk to my wife and my cousin. I've got to pray to God for a week. This is a big investment. You can't do this. Pre-qualify them, which also means taking information from them and giving them the right information so they can make certain choices before they come to the call. Second, this is a big shift, Mia. Don't sell. We don't sell on sales calls, and it blows people's minds. Now, what do we do on sales calls instead? Number one, we look for a great fit, meaning do, does this person have the characteristics that we need them to have to follow our process? And number two, do we have the process that can, uh, that can solve their situation, the problem? That's a great fit. Number two, we look for red flags. What are red flags? Those are things that it's kind of like, you know, when you meet someone in a relationship and you start noticing that they, they have a little bit of something, but you're so enamored by them that you go like, oh, maybe I can course correct. Maybe I can fix it, right? So it will be things like they're in the wrong market. Uh, they start saying things that are just completely kind of wacky and off the wall. And we start going like, 
you know, wait a second, this would not, we cannot have this, or they're being disrespectful, like whatever the red flags are. And in the conversation, you need to find a way to either address them and eliminate them. There may be false, false, false red flags, or simply say, look, there are too many red flags. Actually, in our case, like even one red flag, this is a total stop. We don't move forward. We can't take you on as a client. It's so different versus trying to convince them to do business with us. If we have to convince someone, we don't want them as a client. It's just that simple, right? So again, this is where the pre-qualifying process kicks in largely. And the last part, the third part, how do you make your sales work better? Shut up. Like, listen more and talk less. If you talk more than 25% of the time in a sales environment, in a sales process, you over-talking. You know, you need to do your education prior to taking people on the call. So again, there's a lot more nuance, a lot more nuances and details to it. But those three things: pre-qualify better, don't sell, and instead look for great fit and red flags, and talk less and listen more. Those are those. Don't it will transform the way you have sales conversations. I really like this. I I really like how you explained it, how you laid it down. And yeah, I don't believe in sales sales calls as well. Um, th this should already be done prior with the pre-qualification and with the content and all of what you're doing mm -hmm. before you jump on a call. Um, Adam, before I let you go, um, I always ask every, every, every guest, uh, tell us a little bit about Adam. You know, like now we were talking all about this business and the value bombs and all of that. But let let us a little bit into. You know, it's it's a uh, tough question Adam. for me to answer. Just actually, uh, within the last month, I embarked on this journey of uh, creating some content that that kind of dives deeper into like the I call it the softer side of Adam, like the, the, the underbelly. Like, who am I really? You know, what drives me? And I've always been very personal. I would talk about my clients' results all day long, uh, but you know, I, I never talk about where I live, how what I drive, and so on. It's like it's I keep my 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 personal life very private. But you know, I think what's really important is um, people always think like, "Wow, you're so passionate about the marketing," and I am actually not. Uh, I'm very good at marketing, but what I'm passionate about is transforming people's lives. I love to see people live their full potential by teaching them more entrepreneurial thinking and approach to life. And I just chose marketing training as a vehicle to help people accomplish that. But what I'm really passionate about is just transforming people's lives. And on a personal level, man, I, I, I love watching movies and uh, I loved running, you know, some sort of CrossFit and running. So um, that's kind of a little bit of, of my makeup. Reading, movies, running, and then doing whatever I can to uh, help people live their dreams. Okay, that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, you, you don't have we. I mean, I don't expect people to go into great details, uh, but you know, just to share a little bit from the the personal side. And now, Adam, my my last question before I say goodbye: um, What would be that last? golden nugget you want to share with the audience and it can be related to you know the discussion so far or anything that you feel entrepreneurs could benefit from yeah you know um, um from this conversation there is a saying that knowledge is power and uh, it's actually not true knowledge is potential for power knowledge in action <laughs> is power right so there is no shortage of money there is no shortage of clients there is only a shortage of money-making, client-getting ideas in action, implemented. So I think, you know, there's a story I read, this is now quite a while ago, that in technology, the things we take for granted, you know, all the inventions, the latest phones, the latest gizmos, when it comes to tech shows where they are first unveiled, usually the working prototypes are finished within 72 hours of the major industry trade shows. Like prior to that, it's a bunch of mess. And then push comes to shop, they've got 72 hours, boom, it gets done. And what I've realized is that most entrepreneurs can accomplish nearly anything from zero to money in the bank in 72 hours. So what I encourage you to do is look, 
if you take if you if you took some notes during this interview, before you go and consume more content, look at the notes, organize them, identify one idea that stood out for you. It's not about my definitions or the way I do things or the way, you know, Mia does things. It's about what stood out for you. One idea that you go like, oh, I could do that. All right. For that thing, list all the steps that it will take to accomplish this. And chances are, you know, it's not that complicated. And then go after that one thing for the next 72 hours. Don't do anything else. Take this one idea from zero to actually working for you in the next three days. And you know what? Then repeat this process again and again and again. What happens is you start creating micro wins that starts building your confidence. And and with that, you start taking on bigger actions, bigger accomplishments. Your confidence grows. You become unstoppable. But it happens because you take something you've heard, an idea, and you implement it completely. So that would be my biggest tip. Go out there and actually get stuff done. I love it. I Absolutely love it. Um, Adam, thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for sharing all of that with, with the audience, for all the value that you brought to the table. I really do appreciate that, and I appreciate you for, uh, you know, like I said, being my guest. I wish you all the best. It's Friday evening here in Europe. It's Friday afternoon, I guess, for you. Um, have a lovely Friday, lovely weekend. Uh, the holiday season is just around the corner. So happy holidays to you and to your family and all the best. And thank you for having me here and, uh, and all the same to you. Take care.